I want to call our attention, please, to the book of Micah. I want us to look at Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. That's going to be our primary focus. We have been looking at the minor prophets, not in an exegetical way, but looking at each book and trying to draw out major themes, major points uh, of significance from each of the minor prophet uh, works. The only book that we've gone through with a certain degree of extensiveness is Jonah, because Jonah's story is uh, unique from the other uh, books of minor prophecy. Jonah uh, deals with uh, the prophet's reluctant relationship with God and with the assignment that God had given him, and we thought that it was important to cover the entire book of Jonah. With the rest of them, we have simply been looking at certain passages within each book that we find uh, helpful, instructive, usually containing what are considered to be the main verses from each book. Uh, and the main verse uh, for the book of Micah is found in Micah chapter 6, and it's actually verse 8 that is considered to be uh, the most important verse. Uh, most of us know it from the King James Version. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Well, we're going to look at the passage that leads up to that verse, starting with verse 1. Uh, listen now. Listen to God. Take your stand in court. If you have a complaint, tell the mountains. Make your case to the hills. And now, mountains, hear God's case. Listen, jury earth, for I'm bringing charges against my people. I'm building a case against Israel. Dear people, how have I done you wrong? Have I burdened you, worn you out? Answer. I delivered you from a bad life in Egypt. I paid a good price to get you out of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam to boot. Remember what Balak, king of Moab, tried to pull and how Balaam, son of Beor, turned the tables on him. Remember all those stories about Shittim and Gilgal. Keep all God's salvation stories fresh and present. How can I stand up before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams, with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child? my precious baby, to cancel my sin. But he already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Now, for just a moment, I invite you to look back at the passage that we looked at last week, which is found in Amos. So turn back in your Bibles to Amos, or I guess in this case it would be turn forward to Amos. And I want us to consider the passage that is there.
Amos chapter 5. Starting with verse 21. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Now, look back again at Micah. How can I stand up before God and show proper respect to the high God? Should I bring an armload of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed with thousands of rams with buckets and barrels of olive oil? Would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to cancel my sin? But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor, be compassionate and loyal in your love, and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I put these two passages together because they are essentially the same. The sentiment is the same. The tone might be a little bit more harsh in Amos, but the tone is essentially the same. And what is the tone? The tone is of a God who is fed up with the foolishness that we bring to him and have the temerity to call it true worship. God says, I've, I've run out with that. I have no more time or tolerance for it. It's, it, it, it's indicative of the fact that, that what is taking place here didn't just start with us. It's been going on for a long time. We have a tendency to, to and, and it's funny because we, we, we got into this a little bit today in, in, the, in the noon Bible study. Uh, we have a tendency to want to worship God the way we want to. And then we want God to bless what we do. Rather than seek what God wants from us, we want God to take whatever we offer and say it's good enough. Now, this didn't just start with Amos and Micah. You go back and read Genesis, I believe it's chapter 4, where the story is told about uh, Adam and Eve's first two sons, Cain and Abel. Each one brought a sacrifice to the Lord. One brought uh, a sacrifice based upon the crops that, they had, that, that he had raised. The other one brought a sacrifice that the scripture says was uh, the firstborn, the, the best of the livestock that he had. And that's the distinction that's made, that Abel, who brought the 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 livestock, the, the, the living sacrifice, brought the best that he had. Whereas Cain just brought something. And the scripture says that God accepted Abel's offering because Abel offered the best. God rejected Cain's offering because while Cain offered something, Cain offered less than what he could. Cain gets so mad that he, he, he carries his brother out into a field, lures his brother out into a field, and he bludgeons him to death and then buries him in the earth. But Cain really has nobody to be mad with but Cain because Cain 
didn't offer God the best. Now, I know you listen to some of these fundamentalist uh, uh, preachers on TV who will say that the differences between uh, Cain and Abel was that one offered uh, uh, livestock and the other one offered vegetation. That's crazy because one was a farmer who raised crops and the other one was a herdsman who, who, who raised livestock. So they both offered from what they had. The problem is one offered the best and the other offered less than the best. And Cain's attitude was this, whatever I bring to God ought to be good enough. So this didn't just start with us, because the point I'm going to make is that that's, what's, that's what our problem is today. We don't offer God the best. The problem didn't just start with us. We can see that the problem existed with Micah, and the problem existed with Amos. But you know what? You can go all the way back beyond Micah and Amos, and you can see that the problem existed all the way back in Genesis. So then, the question needs to be asked. The question needs to be explored. What is it about us that makes us think that it's okay to give God less than the best? I'll wait. I'm sure you have an answer. So, so I'm, I'm waiting for you to give me an answer. <laughs> what is it that makes us think that that, that God should be pleased with whatever we do. First of all, let, let's be clear. What God expects from us isn't really a whole lot. In the larger scheme of, of, of what he has given to us, what God expects of us isn't a whole lot. Do you agree with that? Or y'all just sitting here looking at me, waiting to see what I'm going to say next? Even if you say that giving the, 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 the unspotted, the unblemished lamb as a sacrifice is a major sacrifice to God. If you are a herdsman, that's one animal out of the entire herd that shows. God don't ask for the whole herd. God asks for one animal out of the herd. If you, if you raise uh, uh, feed and livestock, not livestock, if you raise feed and, and grains and plants, if, if that's your thing, God doesn't ask for the whole farm. He, he doesn't ask for the whole harvest. He just asks that you bring the best, the first, to him. First was considered to be the best. He, 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 wants, he wants the best. He wants the first. Guess what? The rest of it belongs to you. Yes, sir. That's where I'm going. That's exactly where I'm going. You, you, you just jumped a paragraph ahead, but no, that, that's okay. But that's exactly where I'm going. What is it about us that makes it okay for us to give God less than the best? The tithe belongs to God. Bring all the tithe. All the tithe. All. All. Do you know what, do you know what falls outside of all? Nothing. Bring all the tithe. Not to the sorority or the fraternity. Are the Masons, are the Eastern Star, are the sons and daughters of Isaac and Rebecca, are the Alibali Temple of the Shrine, or Jack and Jill, or Junior Lee, or whatever else you give it to, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse, in case you don't understand the metaphor, the storehouse is the church. The entire tithe goes to the church. 
You don't split the tithe between the church and the United Way. Because you work at the plant, and the plant makes you give something to the United Way, and then they match what you give to the United Way. So you take out of your tithe and give it to the United Way, and then give the church what's left over. And you call yourself tithe. I, I tithe. I just don't give it all to the church. Then you ain't tithe. Because the scripture says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. And test me. Prove me. King James. Y'all like King James. Y'all get, I, I say it one Sunday, a couple Sundays ago. I'm actually going to read from the King James. Y'all started clapping like that was a wonderful thing. So, so let me quote to you from the King James. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Translation, test me if you will. And see if I'll do what I said. I'm going to prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open unto you the window of heaven and pour you out, pour you out. Pour, not sprinkle, pour you out a blessing. So great that you won't have room enough to receive it. You don't like that passage? I got another one for you. Give, and it shall be given to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. After it's pressed down, after it's shaken together, it's still running over. You ever pour sugar into a bowl or... or, or uh, salt into a container. You, you ever pour it in there and you think you pulled it up to the top, but then you grab the container and, and, and you push down on it or you shake it and, and, and the air comes out and, and, and the sugar goes down and you can actually put more in there than you thought you could put and then you shake that and it goes down a little bit more and you can still put more on top. That's what God describes. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together and run it after you've done all of that. Still, it's running over. And the passage says, Shall men give into your bosom? In other words, God is going to direct folk to give to you to cover what you have given to him. Read the passage. I didn't make it up. That's what it says. So with those kinds of promises, with those kinds of assurances from our Lord, why is it that we choose not to do what God said do? Why is it that, 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 that we decide our way is better? What's the rationalization? I know he woke me up this morning, but, you know, he, he, he could have woken me up more gently than he did. Is, 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 is that your rationalization? If he'd been more gentle about it, I would have I felt better. I know he keeps health in my body. You know, even when you ain't even thinking about it, you breathe. Do, do you know you don't even have to think about breathing? It just happens. You ever try to hold your breath? When, when, when we were little, we said, I'm going to hold my breath till I die. I'm just going to hold my breath till I die. And, 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 and you hold your breath and, and the best of us would hold it until we turn colors. 
And one time, wasn't me, thank God, it wasn't me, but one of us held our breath so long that he actually fell out. And you know what happened when he fell out? He started breathing again. He lost consciousness. We had to go get his mama. And when she came and he got up, she whipped his butt all the way home. But do you know what happened when he fell out? He started breathing again. Unconscious. Breathing. You're going to go home tonight. And you're going to put your head down on the pillow. And you're going to go to sleep. And you ain't worried about while you're going to sleep whether or not you're going to breathe. Because you've been breathing for the last 50, 60, 70, however, however old you are. Every night you put your head to pillow, you are out like a, you don't know what's going on. But your body is inhaling and exhaling. What's your excuse? What's your rationale? What is it that makes you think it's okay to give God less than what he has asked for? He doesn't ask for much. Well, let, 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 let me help some of y'all out who, who don't like the whole tithing thing. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're Christians. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And, 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 and under grace, you, 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 you don't have to tithe. You, you, you just give whatever the Lord asked you to give. Whatever he blesses you to give, you give of that. Okay, let's go with that. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered you. Everyone, as he purposeth, Charles Smith used to always say proposeth. That's why I still say proposeth. The word is purposeth. But, but, but when I quote it, I still say proposeth. You know why? Because he said proposeth. Everyone, as he proposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. God loves a cheerful gift. So you don't want to talk about tithe. You don't want, we're not under the law. It's amazing how you use the law when it suits you. And when it doesn't suit you, you throw the law away. Well, we're under grace. Okay, grace woke you up this morning. Grace started you on your way. Grace kept health in your body and sanity in your mind. Grace kept food on your table and clothes on your back and a roof over your head. And grace kept money in your pocket. And what God says is, decide what you're going to give to me. And whatever it is you decide you're going to give to me, do it consistently. Which means, if you feel like all you can give the Lord is a dollar, give the Lord the dollar consistently upon the first day of the week. That's with regularity. Let every one of you, that, that, that's like all, bring all the tithe. Let every one of you, who falls outside of every one? Bet y'all didn't think y'all were going to come here and hear this tonight, did you? Who, who falls outside of every one? Nobody. Let every one of you lay by him in store. Set aside on the first day of the week, that which you're going to give to the Lord based upon what the Lord has blessed you to have. Now, what's your problem? You, you, you don't want to tie? You, you don't want to do 10%? I can't afford 10%. Here, here's the thing. If you can't afford 10%, that means that you misspent your money. 
I didn't stutter. I didn't misspeak. If you're going to tell me that with 90% of what the Lord blesses you to have, you can't get along, and you got to cut into his 10% in order to make it, it's a clear indication that you have misspent. But if you want to get away from tithe altogether, he says, whatever you decide to give, give it regularly. I give it as regular as I can. Well, I'm glad God don't treat me as regular as he can. I forgot about it. I didn't come to church that Sunday. It's amazing. You cannot come to church on a particular Sunday. And when you come the next Sunday, all you got to do is bring it with you because it's already been laid by you in store. Right? That's not an excuse. If you laid it by you in store, then you know where it is. And so when you come, you can bring it. Do you see how that whole thing works? If you lay it by you in store, you just pick it up when you walk out the door and you can bring it with you. But you see, our thing is, if we miss a Sunday, we take that as if to, to say, well, we ain't got to bring it next week. It's okay. Church ain't going to miss it. First of all, even though the church is the storehouse, you're really not giving to the church. You're giving to the Lord. And, and, and that's the attitude that you need to have. I'm not giving it to the church. I'm not giving it to the preacher. I'm not giving it to a particular ministry. I'm giving it to the Lord. And, 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 and the Lord has established these leaders within the congregation to receive that which you brought to him. But understand, you're not bringing it to the leaders that he has established. You're bringing it to him. We're simply receiving what you brought to him. Well, what if they waste it? What if they throw it away? That's between them and the Lord. And they're going to have to give an account for that. But to use that as an as an excuse. Let me see how well that works with energy. I don't like the way energy spends my money. So, so, so I, I've decided I ain't going to pay energy everything that they ask for. I, I'm only going to pay them a portion. Let's see how that works with your cell phone bill. You ever been in the middle of a conversation? In the middle of a conversation? And the phone is cut off? Let's see how that works with your cable bill. You turn on your TV and you try to change the channel and every channel you change to is the same channel. Because they're controlling it. So it don't work. You can't be arbitrary with them. You have to give them what they say you owe. Try to do it with your water bill and then try to take a shower. <laughs> try to do it with your car note and come outside and find your car's gone. And then you call the police and say, somebody stole my car. And they come to find out, no, they just came and picked it up. Because you haven't paid your bill. I got a million of these. I can go on with this all night. I'm trying to make a point. Yes, sir.
Understand something. What you give to the Lord is nothing compared to what he's given to you. It's nothing. When we were children, my, my, my mother would take us to the store right around Christmas time. We would, we would take our money that we had earned over the past several months, the allowance that they gave us for the hard chores we did, like make up our bed and hang up our clothes. That, 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 that those were the hard things that we did. And, and they would give us a little money uh, uh, for us to, to do things with. And we would take that money, and at Christmas time, she would take us to Bon Marche, and we would go to Montgomery Ward, and we would buy gifts for our parents with the money that we had earned. When in fact, what we were doing was buying our parents junk with the money that they had given us. It's junk. I still remember, I, I, I bought my, my grandmother a little statue about this big with a guy who had on a yellow shirt and an orange pair of pants, and he had his hands out like this, and he had green hair, and written on the bottom it says, I love you this much. Cost $3.99. And I thought I had done something. And to her credit, she made, when she opened it up on that Christmas morning, she made me feel like I had done something. But as I sit here tonight, as a 57-year-old man, looking back on that moment, I bought nothing. I didn't pay for anything. The money that I had, they gave me. Really, to do nothing. And I bought junk. A little piece of plastic that somebody molded into something to say something. I bought nothing. But I was so proud of that. And I was proud of the way that she acted like it was the most wonderful thing in the world. She sat it up on her dresser in her bedroom. And, and every time I walked in her bedroom, there was that little piece of plastic with the green hair and the yellow shirt and the orange pants. And I love you this much. She made, she made me feel like I had actually done something. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. Now, now, what's my point? My point is God doesn't ask for much. God knows you ain't got nothing to begin with. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world. And they that dwell then you don't even belong to you. Paul says, don't you know that you are not your own? 
you have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus, you ain't got nothing. You can't give nothing. And all God asks is that you acknowledge him by making the effort to show him in a tangible way some gratitude, some thanksgiving. And the wonderful thing about God is that God will be like my grandmother. God will be like Reverend Smith's mom. God will treat that little that you do like it's the most important thing that could have ever been done in the world. But you got to offer it. And you got to offer it in the sincerity of heart that he asks for. So if, 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 if you got a problem with tithing, first of all, it means that you're spending all your money in the wrong places. But even if you don't want to, and let me, just let me say this. If you're going to argue about tithing, then don't come to me and talk to me about any other parts of the law. I don't want to hear nothing about any other part. I don't want to hear nothing about, you know, the Bible says you ain't supposed to steal. The Bible also says bring your tithe. To, if, if, if you're going to quote law, the Bible says you ain't supposed to lie. You ain't supposed to bear false. The Bible also says bring your 10% to the storehouse. If you're going to quote law, then let's quote the whole law. You can't pick and choose which pieces of the law you're going to embrace and which ones you're going to leave alone. So, so stop coming to me with other stuff in the law if you ain't going to stand on that part of the law. And, and if we're going to leave the law alone, if we're going to say, well, that's an Old Testament thing, and we're going to leave it alone, that's fine. Just, just lay by you in store as God has prospered you on the first day of the week. And then bring it. Let me tell you something else about the law, since, since I'm on this tangent I know y'all tired of me, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to let y'all go early because y'all don't want to hear no more what I'm saying, but that's okay. Did you know that the law says, since y'all love the law, you know that the law says that every time you fail to bring the tithe, you owe 20% interest on the part that you don't bring? Did you know that? If, 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 if your tithe is $10, and you only bring $5, then the next time you come, you owe the $10 for this time, plus you owe the $5 for the last time, plus you owe a dollar in interest. That's what the law says. That's what Moses came out of the mountain with. That's what God gave Moses when he came down out of Mount Sinai. Y'all love the law, right? Y'all love that. You, you owe 20% interest on the part of the tithe that you failed to pay. Well, you jump over to the New Testament, Paul don't say nothing about interest. Paul just says, bring what you set aside. Paul doesn't even say, bring what you owe. Paul says, bring what you choose to bring. So, so if, 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 if you don't, and by the way, a tithe, by the way, means 10%. I have to say these things because as I'm thinking, as I'm standing here, I'm thinking about all the, 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 ration, the reasons y'all give for why y'all don't tithe. Tithe is 10%. So when you say, I tithe 5%, that ain't possible. You can't tithe 5%. You can give 5%, but you can't tithe you can't tithe 3%. You can't tithe 2%. Tithe means a tenth. And if I convert my fraction into a decimal, one tenth is 
I sure wish Ms. Polk was here. She'd be so proud of me for being able to do that. <laughs> Mathematical conversion. So, 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 quit saying that you tithe something that ain't the tithe. If you, if, 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 if you want to leave the tithe alone, then fine, leave it alone. But just lay by you in stores, God has blessed you. Now, if the Lord ain't blessed you with nothing, Guess what? The Lord don't expect nothing from you. If, if, if he has not given you anything, he doesn't expect anything from you. But who in here can say you ain't never received nothing from the Lord? I ain't seen no hands. Any, any hands over here? No, 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 no hands over here either. Micah and Amos have the same problem. God speaks through both of them and says essentially the same thing. I'm tired, says the Lord, of y'all mistreating me. You ever been mistreated by somebody? Have you ever tried to hold your tongue when somebody mistreated you? Have you ever had to bite hard and walk out the room, go beat on a wall somewhere because somebody has mistreated you? You ever, you ever suffered and endured years of mistreatment? Not just a moment of mistreatment, but years of mistreatment and you just you've reached a point where you have taken all that you can take when I was a boy one of my favorite cartoons was Popeye and I used to love it when Popeye said I've had all I can stands I can't stands no more That's what God is saying here. That's what God said through Amos last week. That's what God is saying through Micah here. He's saying, I've had all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Through Micah, God says, we're going we, we to come to court. Come on, we're we, we going to come to court. And, 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 and in the court, we're going to plead our case. Says that the mountains are going to be the judge and the earth is going to be the jury and I'm going to make my case before you. And then God says, tell me. What have I done to cause you to treat me like you have? Come on. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. If you have a grievance, here is the place and now is the time. Tell me what I have done that justifies the way that you have treated me. Crickets? You ain't got nothing to say? You, you, you don't have any complaints at all? Well, what about all that time our ancestors spent in Egypt? Yeah, you did. Guess who got you out of that? Guess, guess who got you out of Egypt? That was me. Guess who brought you into a land flowing with milk and honey? That would be me. Do you remember that time when, 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 when they tried to hire a prophet to curse y'all? And I jumped on top of the prophet 
I jumped into a donkey and caused the donkey to talk to the prophet and say, you better leave those people. Why, 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 why are you telling your part of the story? Did you leave that part of the story? I find that we leave out certain parts of the story. We tell the part that, that best suits us. We tell the part that makes us look better. We tell the part that makes us seem like we're the aggrieved party in whatever dispute we have. We leave out the other part. God says, I'm the one who caused the prophet to not curse you, but to bless you. He said, when armies got together and planned a war against you, I'm the one who built a hedge around you and protected you from all of your enemies. I'm the one who kept you here. So now you tell me, what is it that I have done that justifies the way that you're treating me? You still ain't got nothing to say? Well, then I guess the floor is mine, and, 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 and I'll go ahead and speak a little bit more. What is it that you think that I really want? Do you think that I want you to offer your children in sacrifice to me? Do, do, do you think that that's something that I would be pleased with? Can you point to any place in the history of my relationship with you where I actually took a child? Oh, I know about that time when I told Abraham to offer Isaac, but, but when he pulled the knife back, I stopped him. I wouldn't let him kill that boy because that ain't the kind of God I am. Do, do you really think that I want one of your children? Do you really think that your offerings mean anything to me? Do you think that, that, that by giving to me out of what I have given to you that you've done something special? Going back to what I said when, 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 when we went to Montgomery Ward at Christmas time, I was taking my parents' money and buying my parents' gifts with the money that my parents gave me. None of it was a real sacrifice from me except for that hard work of making up the bed once a morning. Is that, is that what you really think I want? Well, here's the thing. I've already told you what I want. I've already made it abundantly clear. I, I have said it to you over and over and over and over again. This is what I want. Do what's fair. Be compassionate and loyal. Don't take yourself too seriously. But take me seriously. Micah says God has an expectation of us. That we treat others with fairness. I tell you over and over again, it's how you treat your neighbor That is the best indicator of your relationship to God. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, you can say you love me all you want to, whom you've never seen. But if you mistreat your neighbor who you see every day, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. The, 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 the true measure is in how you treat one another. And, and if you want to go down this road of, well, who is my neighbor? Well, you know, somebody asked Jesus that question. Well, well, well t -t -t tell me, Jesus, who, who is my neighbor? Who, who is it I'm supposed to treat right? Jesus says that there was a fellow going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the road, he got mugged. That, 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 that's our 21st century word for it. He, he got mugged. He got beaten and robbed and left for dead. 
and three different folk passed by. One was a priest. One was a Levite, which was a priest to the extreme. And I know the way we preachers say it. One was a preacher and one was a deacon. No, a Levite was more than a deacon. A Levite was a priest to the extreme. A Levite was from a priestly tribe. So, so you, you, you had the blue-collar preacher like me pass by. And then you had the extra white-collar preacher like you fill in the blank with who you want to put in that. And, 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 and we both passed by. And we looked at it. Beaten and bleeding. And we said, well, church starts at 11 and I'm never late. You know, I, 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 get, I get on folk about being late for church, so I can't be late for church myself. So, so I, hope, I, I hope you do. We're going to pray for you. When we get to the altar prayer, we're going to pray for you. And then we went on. But a Samaritan came by. And Samaritans were, 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 were blood enemies of Jewish folk. They didn't like each other at all. But it was the Samaritan that stopped and helped and bandaged his wounds and took him to a place where he could receive care and then left him there with instructions to the owner of the inn, take care of him and here's the money that I have to give you and if this doesn't cover everything, I'll pay you what's left over on my way back. Now, I, I, I bring that whole thing up because we like to go, who is my neighbor? This is a fellow who, should the situation have been reversed, the Jewish fellow might not have done anything because Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. Just like you don't like, you fill in the blank with who you don't like. I've told you before, if, if I knew you well enough, I could call a name. And I'd watch your whole facial expression change. You might even turn another color. You start grumbling under your breath. That no good so, 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 so. But that's the neighbor. And that's the neighbor that we're responsible. So when he says, be fair and just to your neighbor, the neighbor's everybody. The neighbor's the folk you like and the folk you don't like. The neighbor the, is the person who can do something for you and the person who can't do anything for you. The neighbor's the one who comes every time and the one who comes seldom. Because, you know, sometimes we don't mind helping somebody every now and then, but if they keep coming back, we get tired. Why do you keep coming back? That's your neighbor. That's your responsibility. That's your charge. That's your call. Be just and fair to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Compassionate and loyal in your love. What is loyal love? That's where you love folk even when they do things that you don't approve of. I know some folk who loved me as long as I was right. And when I got wrong, they stopped loving me. I shall never forget a time in my life when I was wrong. I, I, was, I was totally wrong and people who said they loved me tried to take food off my table tried to take money out of my pocket i got disinvited by some preachers to come to their church we we we, we talked about it and we made a, a different decision Loyal love. I'm glad God doesn't say, well, you know, me and the angels talked it over last night. 
and we decided that, that, that we're going to disinvite you. Loyal love is love that stands when you're right and when you're wrong. When you're up and when you're down. When you're in and when you're out. And then, and then he finally says, stop taking yourself so seriously. Y'all like to walk humbly with your God, but I like what Peterson says. Stop taking yourselves so seriously, but take God seriously. I like that because for many of us, and a lot of folk in the church, might not be you, but it's somebody sitting next to you, we actually think that the world revolves around us. We actually think that everything has to be to our satisfaction. And if it's not to our satisfaction, then something needs to be done. I pulled up this morning to the church and, and there was a member of the church in the parking lot, in the car, uh, when, when I pulled up. And uh, this person said to me, I was just sitting here and I was looking at the roof, that beautiful roof that we just put on. But you know, I see some spots where the roof ain't right. And she expected me to call the person who did the roof and have them come back and redo because there was a spot that she had said, you know how much roof you got up here? On both sides, she saw a spot where the roof wasn't right in her opinion. See, I know when the roof ain't right. You know how I know? Because somebody will say, I got wet in here. <laughs> it rained and, and, and water came dripping in through, through the roof. And, and, and when I hear that, I will know something wrong with the roof. But it didn't look right to that person. And because it didn't look right to that I'm trying to make a point, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting out your way. Some of us think that the whole world revolves around us. Stop taking yourself so seriously. But take God seriously. What's the difference between us and God? Well, let's start with this. You're finite, and he's infinite. You, you, you here for a second. In, in the time it took for me to do that, somebody gone. He's eternal. You can't do nothing for him that he needs. You do know, got two minutes left, you do know that God includes you because he wants to. Not because he has to. You are aware of the fact that this world was going on before you set foot in it. And the great likelihood is it's going to be going on long after you gone. nothing you can do for God that God can't do for himself. God chooses to use us. God chooses to include us. God, we ought to feel privileged that God lets us do for him. And not act like we've done God a, I got up this morning and came to church. God ought to be happy that I'm here. 
I sang my song. God ought to be happy. I'm here. I came to serve communion this morning. God ought to be. You do know that communion can be served without you. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Start taking God seriously. Part of taking God seriously is simply doing what he said. Just, just, just do what he said. If you do what he said, I promise you, life will be better for you. I do not promise you that you'll like everything that happens. But I promise you that life will be better. Because all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. There might be someone here tonight who have to have him been a part of this Bible study. We're going to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. We're going to sing a verse of Just As I Am. And if there's one, we invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Y'all have a good evening.